0: space the final frontier these are the voyages of the starship enterprise its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Captain Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. Let's make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Shailing frequencies open, sir.
1: And we're back, we are back, and this is another exciting and uh, energetic Energize. energetic episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, where you and I are going to engage, engage. on an away mission. We're going up to Ticonderoga, New York, where James Cauley has built with his own bare hands uh, a marvelous uh, it's almost like a Star Trek theme park you know it's its the original sets from TOS and all the great props and he gives a great tour and we were there on a special day called Authors Day and uh, part one of this is you're going to hear me take the tour and talk to James Cawley and you're going to hear some other voices in there too and then next week I sit down with a number of the authors that were there for the special event I think we talked to four of them Michael Jan Friedman Dave Gallanter, Kevin Dilmore, and uh, Keith R.A. DeCandido, or DeCandido, he, he told me how to pronounce his name. So that's next week, though. This week is, you know, I'm, I know it's audio, and so you can't actually see it, but you're going to hear, in my words, how exciting that was. But before we can do that, I want to tell you something. Hey, Brian. Yes, Jordan. Do you uh, find yourself needing more space I do. I, I save so many things on my computer, uh, including podcasts like this one, <laughs> and uh, I'm always running out of space. Yeah, you're running out of space, and when you don't, when you have too much stuff on your computer, uh, and it starts to slow other things down, right? It does. Yeah. Well, I've got some news for you. What? What are you? <laughs> <laughs> our friends at Western Digital, who listen to this show, and recognize that our listeners are the type of people that always need more nothing, more space. This is a very zen, a very (laughs) zen product. They're selling the absence of something. But what they're selling uh, at Western Digital, WD, these are really state-of-the-art and fantastic uh, solid-state drives and hard drives that will fit all of your unique needs. Let me tell you something. When you add the superior performance of WD solid-state drive to your PC, you get blazing read speeds, so you can boot your system quickly, load games, and all your other applications in a snap. Combined with a reliable WD hard drive, you get up to six terabytes. That's 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 a lot. How many zeros are in six terabytes? I have no idea. How Um, many podcasts can you put on that? A lot of podcasts. How many episodes? Probably every podcast. (laughs) <laughs> How many episodes of DS9 could you put on 6 terabytes? Well, it depends on the quality of it, but I mean, um, right. a lot. A lot. You can, you, but the thing is, if you're if you're going somewhere, if you're taking a trip, you bring your solid-state WD hard drive, and you're golden. Uh, so you get 6 terabytes of storage for games, direct feed videos, podcasts, and more all in a single place. Now, this is the best part. This is the part that I wanted to tell you about. Everything else up to now was just just getting you psyched. For a limited time... Engage listeners can get twenty percent off. That's a real number. Twenty percent off of WD solid state drive with coupon code WD Engage. That's all one word. WD Engage. So what you do is you go to wd.com/engage, use that coupon code. Twenty percent off. That's not five percent. That's twenty. That's, that is no joke. That's a real number. Twenty percent off. And I don't know. Maybe you have like these little weasel. Uh, weasel little uh, hard drives that you keep uh, You drop them and they fall apart This is a quality WD hard drive That you were going to need You needed one already Maybe you have an old one It's time to get a new one Go to WD.com engage Get your act together Okay, now we're going to go back in time uh, You're going to hear me in, uh, in a car I'm in the back seat <laughs> With uh, the rest of Star StarTrek.com driving And uh, let's take it from there Okay, and we are now, ladies and gentlemen, on, uh, what do we call this, an away mission. This is uh, an an Engage the Official Star Trek podcast, away mission. I have the mobile emitter, and we are in the town of Ticonderoga, New York. (laughs) It is the home of number two pencils and Revolutionary War history, but most importantly, it is also the home of the Star Trek... Oh, what, what is it officially called? Series, yes. The Star Trek Original Series Set Tour, hosted by our old friend James Cawley, who you remember he was a you know the star and really the originator of the next generation of of really highly professionally made Star Trek fan films. And we're gonna meet with him, on it's a special day because we're gonna meet with him on what's called Star Trek Authors Day. And we got a whole list of great authors, about nine or 10. Um, our friends Dayton Ward, and Kevin Dilmore, and David Mack, and uh, Michael Jan Friedman, and, um, and others, and a list of others are gonna be there as well. We're in the car. We, drove up last night, we have with us at the helm, the first name in Star Trek journalism, the Edward R. Murrow of Star Trek, Mr. Ian Spelling is here. Say hello, Ian. Hello, everybody. Yeah, and also riding shotgun, the executive officer, the ambassador of the Alachi species is here. Can I hear an Alachian hello? Hello. Yeah, that was before coffee, too. We just got up. we We spent the night at the very lovely Trout, what was it called the Trout house? Trout house? Sounds like outhouse, but the Trout House um, Lodge. It was lovely. It was like a bed and breakfast without the breakfast. It was great. And right on the water here in Lake George, New York, which is about uh, four hours north of New York City, about two hours south of Montreal, Canada, about an hour south and west of Burlington, Vermont. I was doing a little research on Google Maps last night. But today we are headed, we're gonna go have some uh, biscuits at the local diner, and then we're gonna take the tour. We're gonna talk to the authors, and we're gonna have a lot of fun. So strap in, this is going to be an exciting adventure. James, this is a busy day for you. You got a lot buzzing around here. There's people running in and out in costumes and uniforms.
2: You're
1: having a good, you're good day I'm so far. I'm having a great time, yeah. And we have about, uh, what is it, 13 or so Star Trek authors here. Can you just tell me, and I'm sure you've told this story a hundred times, um, your origin story with Star Trek, I mean, and with behind the scenes, is a very, it's almost like a story that sounds too good to be true. How you as yeah. a kid got involved with the production aspect of Star Trek.
2: I actually, you know, I was one of those detail-oriented kids. Oh, no, you don't say. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I really, you know, I wanted, I wanted like the real uniform My parents bought me this uniform at a store, and I was never quite happy with it. Uh And so I used to watch the series religiously, of course, and I saw the name of the costume designer at the end of the show. And one day I called Information and got the number for Paramount Pictures, called the studio, and asked for, uh, I pronounced it Bill Theis at the time. Right. And they corrected me. They said, no, it's Bill Tice. I thought it was Theis. Yeah, it's Tice. Tice. Okay, Tice. And um, they put me through. And yeah. Bill answered the phone, and we had a great chat. And he got a couple of laughs, you know, because I and was how old a old kid. You at the time. At the time I did that, I was seventeen. Okay, all right. I was seventeen, and we had a great laugh. And um, he promised to send me some things, and and we had like this um, uh, pen pal relationship, you know, but over the phone. Yeah. And so that went on about a year and a half or so, two years, and then Star Trek: The Next Generation was going into production. And I had made my own uniform based on stuff that Bill had sent me. And, and he said, well, would you like a job? And yeah. I said, well, what do you have in mind? And he said, well, we've got some things we can do on Star Trek. And I said, really? So I started making some, some freelance things for him. And wow. then I ended up doing some of uh, Will Wheaton's sweaters wait and, wait wait time out you were involved with
1: the rainbow sweater i was involved with the rainbow sweater oh my god yeah wow yeah. i don't know that everybody
2: here knows this we have to, <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible yeah <laughs> and, and i did the brown i did a brown a two-tone brown sweater for oh me. yeah yeah sure i know that um, one too and i worked on there was one other crazy it was like a blue dark blue um glittery i had like a glitter fa- i'd have to look it up but it was right it was very early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, w- I did several of the jumpsuits, and they, Bill actually pranked me. Yeah. Um, they sent me fabrics. Because <clears throat> I had been calling the, the jumpsuit red and black, red and black, red and black. Ooh. And they, I thought you know, they were pulling my leg. They sent me this fabric that was almost purple, this cranberry color. Yeah. And had me to make a, to make a costume uh, to see if I could get the job to make more. And when I I got it, I called him up and I said, This isn't the right fabric. You know, this is like purpley color. Yeah. And they started laughing, they're like, No, that's the fabric. And I said, No, it's <laughs> supposed to be red. And I was emphatic. Yeah. And so I'm telling the costume designer he's wrong. Yeah. And then he said, Hang on a minute. And the phone went dead. And a few seconds later this voice comes on and he says, Can I help you? And I said, Um, yeah, I'm I'm working on this costume, but I think I've got the wrong wrong colors. I said who am I talking to? He said, "Well, this is Jonathan Frakes." <laughs> and I said, "Well, what color are the clothes you have on?" <laughs> he,
0: what are you wearing, Jonathan? And he yeah. goes like kind of
2: yeah. this cranberry and black number. Yeah. And I said, oh, "Okay." And that was it. Okay. So they pranked you.
1: They pranked you. Yeah. It was That's really amazing. So it's been a long road from that. Through everything else you've done, and now how you're in this this tour? When when did this open exactly? This we
2: tour? opened uh, very very smallly last October. Okay. And we were open through the fall. Right. And so this is going to be our first full season. Okay. And there's still a couple.
1: You were showing me the the gift shop is still being tweaked yeah. a little bit. Yep. Which is an important stop because it you is want, an important stop. You want people to have a great time, but also leave a few dollars behind when they leave. Absolutely. Well, you uh, know, I'm a trekkie, and I'm I'm already leaving money behind. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's also one of the rooms is still being tweaked a little bit, the decompression chamber. Yes. Um, but and it's, I would say, 93% finished
2: absolutely. here. Absolutely. And engineering, and we're adding the, the uh, emergency manual monitor set. So oh, you're going to be able to yeah. go up to the second story and look down over the, oh, the wow. main engineering That's set. Cool. So.
1: so, yeah, it's been a long road. Um, but when they come see you... And you're here. I mean, this is your baby. They're here. They're going to say, oh, the guy
2: who runs the Star Trek tour, he kind of looks like Elvis. Kind of looks like Elvis. Tell us about your your other life (laughs) a little bit. I I basically, you know, got out of the the costuming thing. Yeah. Because, one, Bill Tice left the show. Yeah. uh, And I was a fish out of water. I was kind of a young kid that didn't really know anybody. I was kind of scared. You know, small town kid in a big place. Yeah. So I I ended up uh, taking a job at a radio station. And they asked me to do a commercial with Elvis's voice, which I did. Um, and based on that, they had me do a talent show. And in the audience of the talent show was a guy who hired me to go perform at a restaurant. Uh-huh. And it kept making money. And then I, at that, I met a guy uh, who had a show called The King in Concert. And he was a producer in Atlantic City. And he hired me sight unseen after that. That wow. was it. And he just said, I want you to come and do this show. So that was thirty years ago, and I'm still wow. doing the show. And Atlantic City back then was was, it was Atlantic it City was, now is a dump, but yeah, back I then mean, it was, was Vegas still, of the East Coast. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and so I did that, and then I went to Hollywood superstars and legends in concert. Wow. And so I do these live touring shows as Elvis. I've toured with Elvis's backup singers and his bandmates. I've had have yeah. had a good time. So and, and and that has
1: been ostensibly your day. That job. That is my day job. And yeah. for other people that is their Star Trek, but your Star Trek Absolutely. is it's a it's a domino effect yeah. there.
2: Star Trek was my was my way to. To get away from uh, okay. performing
1: <laughs> right you know right, it was right.
2: my it was my release it was my my private playtime so
1: how was, would yeah. Elvis tell uh,
2: Sulu to take evasive action uh, he would probably say <laughs> uh, lock faces on stun <laughs> 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 you know, well, there's plenty of ways to do it son you
1: know <laughs> Oh, that's a lot of fun. How would Elvis and you gotta
2: if you ever if, first of all he yeah. wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't bother with Sulu, he'd be after Yeoman Rand. Right. <laughs> uh, he and Kirk would not like each other because no. they'd both be after the Girlfriend of the yeah, Week. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think Elvis, think about that. Elvis and, and, and Nurse Chapel, I think, would get along I well, I really too. think they'd get along well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. Majel
2: actually met Elvis, I believe.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure she did. A lot yeah.
0: of,
2: uh, we are talking, a lot of Star Trek guests. There stars, is a lot, lot of, of Star
1: Trek-Elvis crossover, Yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. Well, listen, so um, this has been a great day for me, personally. I've had so much fun today. And I'm glad this is your first season, uh, and this is a dream come true for a Star Trek fan. It, it really it is. Really is. And if you're on the East Coast and you're looking for a three-day weekend, this town is lovely. The the you know it's, it's I mean, the
2: it's May- Mayberry the mayor of this town should be here kissing your feet. You're bringing such value to this community. The, the community loves it and, you know, I, I get phone calls times. oh, we saw people dressed in Star Trek uniform. Are they coming to your your Right, place? right, right. And, uh, oh, we had people in the restaurant that, that were truckies yeah. today. Well, so. you know, I
1: went I went across the street to the, the little used bookstore right yep. across the street. I was kind of wandering in there and I was talking to the owner, and he, I said, you know, what's happening across the street, a lot of Star Trek authors are here. He's like, yeah, you'll notice that we have a large sci-fi section. We probably wouldn't have that if it wasn't for James. But, you know, and then I, it was funny. I went, and they had one of Michael Jan Friedman's books right there. You know, I was like, hey, look at that. <laughs> How about cool. <laughs> that? So uh, you can come here and buy a used copy of one of the books here today. Um, cool. All right. Well,
2: thanks again. I know you got stuff you got
1: to do Thank here, you, so uh, we'll 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 be up here again this summer. I, I hope,
2: hope so. I hope you come for Trek You know, Chekhov is going to be here, and Urra. When is this happening? Yeah, that's in August. August twenty fifth. Walter and Michelle are here on the bridge. August twenty fifth.
1: Walter and Michelle will be here in Trek That's going to be a blast. Can't wait to see it. All right. Thanks again, man. I thanks, appreciate story. it. So the word I'm hearing time and again is people are saying, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" We have entered the tour, and we're in sort of the antechamber, and James Cawley is going to give a tour to the collected 11 or maybe it's 12 authors, and people have brought their uh, 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 wives and, and friends, and we got a nice group, maybe 25 people here. And uh, when you first walk in, the first thing I saw was Nomad. It was like a giant, here's Nomad, and oh, my God, those are the cubes. That's That's uh, that's um, that's Yeoman Le- uh, Leslie Thompson before she gets destroyed. She's right here, and the, there's there's Baylock is here, and there's uh, there's um, all sorts of original series medals and devices. And is that an agonizer I see? Is this an agonizer I see before me?
2: Oh.
1: Oh, wait, what is this, if I may ask you? An Elasian Guard Disruptor. Would you mind introducing yourself, sir? Hi, I'm Willie Yee. I'm uh,
2: I work on this uh, as one of the volunteers. But who
1: are you dressed as today?
2: Dr. Donald Corey. From? From Elba 2.
1: <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Oh my God, it's Key Luke. <laughs> so there's a lot of fun happening and uh, we're gonna sit down. We have uh, we're going to talk as much as we can individually with some of the authors that are here. But um, just sort of the props have blown me away. Those are the plants. At first, I thought they were just regular plants. But these are the plants from... Uh, no, these are the spores. What is it, from this side of paradise? Is that what these are from? Don't get too close. Don't get too close. And then, uh, just to let you know how the, the level of detail when you drive up... First of all, there's a car souped up to make it look like a shuttlecraft. Uh, which I think is somebody's car. And then there is um, uh, signs for the Desilu stage, which I think is nice. And then as you walk in the antechamber, there's a Gorn to greet you and a Salt Vampire. And just in case you're wondering, the Gorn is taller than the Salt Vampire because they're kind of side by side. (laughs) So with that, um, you can hear my breathless excitement. There are some giant scoop lights and some old cameras here. But we are backstage. We have to actually get to – oh, there's the giant – thing from for the world is hollow and i have touched the sky the big um altar it's gigantic oh my god all right well i'm gonna try to take some photos later but um for now uh we're gonna take five and uh we're gonna let james take us on this tour
2: to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it
0: this is Engage, Engage. the official star trek podcast Energizer.
1: so we have just uh, exited mccoy's medical bay after going through the transporter room and the level of detail here is just staggering. The bio beds look just like, they, like they're supposed to look. Now we're in the outer surgical area. So James is giving uh, about 20 people a tour here. We're back in the, I, I think the corridor is my favorite room because it really looks just like you're walking around the Enterprise here. It's really amazing. The lighting is exactly the way it is on the show. We have now entered the briefing, r- well, the briefing room. But it's also oh, there's there's a Vulcan loot here. There's Federation flags. This is where uh, various court martials happen. There's some three dimensional chess, three dimensional checkers, and what looks like three dimensional Othello, three dimensional tic tac toe. Okay, and uh, there's the little <laughs> monitor here, and um, at a very nifty. Star. Um, I guess I never realized that there would be a uh, forward window in the briefing room, but I guess uh, I, I trust this to be all all to scale. And what's amazing is all the detail on the walls, and just everything looks exactly like it did in 1966. I have taken a time capsule today, and there's <clears throat> literally 12 writers here, all trying to keep their shit together, flipping out, wanting to touch everything. <laughs> But everybody's got a, everybody's got an iPhone camera, so they'll be uh, they'll have a picture taken if uh, if they're shown. Our friend David Mack is playing three-dimensional chess right in front. He's playing three-dimensional chess, but also manipulating one of the monitors. I think that's what Ahura used in uh, Space Seed, if I'm not mistaken. I'm in the room where uh, Khan uh, trapped everyone during Space Seed. That's what I specifically remember this from. Well, we just... I don't exactly... That room was sort of an all-purpose room. It was the room where uh, they had the decompression chamber from the episode Space Seed, and there was a... Uh, even oh. I said, what the heck was that Doohickey from? And James said, oh, it was from on the episode I, Mud.' It was a nanopulse the probe. Nanopulse laser. laser. Yeah, so and, uh, awesome. you know, the, the the shading in between the rooms oh, okay. uh, was like it looked, you know, in the 60s it was used in motels. But he said it was just dozens and dozens and dozens of of uh, little tiny pieces of PVC to make it look like the shade in between the rooms. But now we're going across the corridor. Welcome into, into Captain Kirk's chambers. And immediately, somebody shouted out, may yes. we use the tantalus field inside. <laughs> so uh, this, you know, I mean, uh, if you read between the lines, this was a very busy uh, chamber. You know, this is Captain Kirk. would uh, spend his evenings. I mean, we all know that he was in there just sort of like, uh, you know, reading memos from Starfleet. But let's come on in and... Oh, yeah, this is it.
2: Okay, so two things.
1: Captain Kirk's lair.
2: The little brass treasure box that you see right there on the shelf. The brass treasure box is the original from the set in 1966. You see it in the picture behind Mr. Shatner. He actually gave it to the president of his fan club, the William Shatner Fellowship. She passed away about two years ago, and we got it from her daughter. So it's now back on the set where it belongs. The other bit of trivia that we like to ask people, does anybody recognize this? it was? I was going
1: to say, I don't remember a dagger on... Uh, it's on, on
2: Kirk's desk in the, in, in the yes. remainder of the second season, but does anybody know what it's from?
1: No. Anyone?
2: No? Maybe. It's Maybe. from uh, Part of uh, the War. No. Keep going. You're getting close. Second season. This is the, the the Red Jack knife from Rigel seven. Oh.
1: Jesus. oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course, of course. Oh. I'm like, I recognize the tricorder over there. Oh. <laughs> and the picture of sorry and Brandy. And what is that? It looks like a giant well, tissue box. What yeah, is that I over there? I
2: think it's like a little, little jewelry box, a little trinket box. Gotcha. Yeah. There you
1: go. right for the liquor bottle. <laughs> <laughs> uh some good it might be Aldebaran whiskey it might be sory and brandy whatever it is it packs a packs of punch <that>? What I love is seeing the books on Kirk's shelf, because not all of them are in English.
2: That is a language that I do not recognize
1: over there. Well,
3: that is a tribute
2: uh, to another CBS series that Shatner guest starred on. That is the To Serve Man cookbook from the Twilight Twilight Zone. There's an Easter egg here on the tour. There's an Easter egg on the tour. Okay, good. Uh, There's also Moby Dick and volumes about Abraham Lincoln. Well, that is much more
1: in character, obviously. (laughs) And I love that no matter where you go, there's, tri- there's uh, three-dimensional chess Absolutely. like everywhere, just Absolutely. in case you want to break into a game.
0: Yep. We have both of the
2: different styles of the chess pieces that they used from, from the different seasons of the show, so yeah. the diehards can pick them out.
1: What did the designers call this shape, which is kind of everywhere? It's a sort of this uh, parallelogram type. What do you internally call it?
2: I, I, we just call it wall art. Don't <laughs> <laughs> get me the wall art. Right, right. But you see it everywhere. It's I mean, trapezoid. it's... Say again? It's a, it's a trapezoid.
1: It's a trapezoid. What did I call it? A parallelogram? I, uh... Oh, it's not a parallelogram. <laughs> oh, no. So, somebody's on Kirk's bed. I <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Somebody just jumped on Kirk's bed. He's got to go... Quadrilateral, not a parallelogram. But I didn't realize how much of a recurring theme it is. In the, in the set until I got here today. Futuristic
0: shape.
2: Futuristic shape, right? We don't have rhombuses and today, trapezoids in today. Awesome. It's a great
1: story. All right, I thought that there was a bust of Spock here in right on Kirk's bed, bedside post, which would have been a nice story, but James says otherwise.
2: No, to, I always thought it was a Romulan if you look at it, but it's not it's actually this, this. they were bookends there were two of them uh-huh. and we first see them in the man trap they're behind Dr. McCoy's on his on the headboard of his bed they're bookends mm-hmm. well it turns out they date back to RKO Studios which was to become Desilu when Lucy and Desi oh, bought it okay, huh? the first time you ever see that prop on screen is Citizen Kane with Orson Welles what? Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes you can actually see it in Citizen Kane but it looks like a Romulo it, it looks like a Romulo it really Romula. does but it's actually sculpted by this artist named John John Swart and it was made in 1933 by RKO Studios is that, I, is that that's a copy. One? We molded okay. off the original. The original was sold at auction, wow. and that's a copy. So this is a perfect example, of just the level
1: of detail, the tiniest Absolutely. little thing, and then you do the research to say, whoa, it's a Marqueo, and then you go and make a copy yeah, of that's it. That's
2: exactly right. Because wow. again, the Enterprise is Star Trek. That's the main character, more than Kirk, Spock, and the rest of it. So your eye goes to what's wrong, not what's right. We wow. want you to see everything right. Wow, so that's wow. why we do this. Did you do awesome. all the research in advance? Or did you do it yeah. as
0: you were moving along? Moving
2: along. You know, we did a lot before we started. Okay, yeah. But as you go, you start looking at things in more detail. Okay, what is that right. thing? Right. What did they use? Where did <laughs> it come from? And then you start digging. And of course the internet has become this massive tool. You can find just about anything if you're determined to look. And that's what we've been doing. Plus we go to swap meets. We go to all these different things where antiques are sold. And we hunt. And we have a whole group of people that are doing this from one end of the country to the other. you know, Because we're great. The, the people that have come to be involved in this project for 15 years are from all over the world. Right. So we've got a lot of eyes and ears out there. Sure. So people are looking and they're constantly trying to make it better. And oh, James, help! Look, we found
3: this. Here's uh-huh. this. So.
1: All right. We are now back in the corridor underneath the giant sign that says warning. Are you giving her all she's got? Is that what's happening over here?
3: Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently, I have
1: more
2: to give. What? Know. What?
1: What is it? This is we're sort of in the middle of the corridor here, and there's a bunch of plugs. That's the
2: fun thing everybody likes to read. Was that
1: actually on the show? Was that, that, something, that. Something. All right, so that's your own. Uh, but this was also but, the garbage. The garbage oh, so what this is, is uh, there's a little sign that says a warning high voltage, and you yank on it, and all these blinking lights and plugs come out. And Dayton, you just saved uh, the Enterprise. Congratulations. Let's
3: you're you're <laughs> welcome. <laughs>
1: Move some plugs around, but, but it's a little thing that you would think that you're not even allowed to touch, but uh, obviously you are, and um, there's a lot of, lot of cool little Easter eggs and hidden corners and quirks here on this tour, which is uh, ten times bigger than I thought it ever would be. I thought this would be just a couple of sets. Like, uh, you know, sometimes you go to one of the conventions and they have the bridge or there, but we haven't gotten to the bridge yet. This is insane. There's Jeffrey's tubes everywhere and rooms and screens. Some of them lead to things. Some of them don't. There's trapezoids everywhere, uh, and everything is the right colors, and everything has the right lighting also. And they also have these fans up there um, which I guess um, I guess they can turn them on and make the lighting even extra dramatic. Is that what that is? No. Just tell, just, tell me what that is, David. Uh,
2: James just told me that they're just uh, aluminum cookies that they had made just to cast certain shadows as if there were grating up there or whatever. Oh, so, so they're static. They don't move, although you could move them in different directions. Right, right,
1: right. But, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that is an extra twist to this is that it's not just the sets that are built and the props. It's the lighting also. That makes you feel like you're in the show um that and the fact that uh you know i am uh, wearing uh captain kirk's tunic today no i'm joking but um yeah it's a real it's a real head trip man <laughs> so i don't know where we're gonna go next we're, we're nearing another Jeffrey's tube 12 people shouted at once when the dilithium crystal actually descended into the intermix chamber we are in The engineering room now, which is massive, and it's actually got a mezzanine level, which I like. I remember certain fights happening up there, uh, and there is a a really beautiful force perspective job done on these sort of purplish and orange um, warp core here in this really remarkable and large engineering room. A lot of blinking lights, a lot of buttons, a lot of dials lot of um octagons and um orbs and with cool i don't know how this lighting trick is done but there's a cool these cool orbs near the uh, near the intermix chamber listen hey we're gonna go to warp we're gonna need something to create that subspace bubble not easy right you're gonna need you're gonna need something um everybody's just kind of going nuts we've been on this tour now for about a half hour um and uh we haven't even made the bridge yet and uh at first, people were just kind of like, oh, you know, we're kind of quiet taking this this little tour. And by now, everybody's just kind of screaming and yelling. It's pretty entertaining. Um, and uh, I'm going to slip back out again because I didn't even realize how. I'm gonna, i I got to go take a photo back in the corridor because I didn't catch this angle before. This is so cool. Well, we've just entered the bridge. And James, could you repeat what you said about the ice cube trays?
2: Yeah, a lot of these buttons were molded from vintage ice cube trays. Like these small double squares, they're little martini ice cubes. And these, of course, are different size, larger ones. They molded them and flipped them upside down and glued them down. You can see them all over the bridge. These are actually molded jujube candies. And then the small ones are half marbles that they molded. And all the vintage aircraft toggle switches and things that we've been able to find.
1: Well, it's got that real sort of bold, big colors that was, you know, key to the, key to the show. And as you were saying earlier, there are a lot of interactive screens that... Um, we're not as it was on the show, but was originally what Roddenberry had intended, but due to union rules and the need for different projectionists for each of these screens, uh, so finally it's come to life here. How long did it take you to, put, to program all these? It
2: really didn't take that long. I mean, the hard part was recreating some of the original artwork. If you look, we actually used their original artwork and then we just put moving images over the top so that it was familiar, yet a little more high-tech for people.
1: And you know, we didn't enter through the Turbo Lift. You said earlier that you wanted to make this tour as if you were an actor on the show. So we went in from backstage and you got to see what just looks like a bunch of wood. And you're like, eh, how impressive is this going to be? Then you turn the
2: corner and. And boom, you're on the bridge. You are going to be entering through the Turbo Lift though, beginning uh, Memorial Day this year. There's a ramp that will take you up to the Turbo Lift and the bridge is going to be enclosed 360 degrees. Oh, awesome. So you will be able to be in here, and there's going to be images playing on the view screen, which is, of course, an 80-inch television. And it's amazing. Fifty years ago, they they knew what widescreen was because we we purchased this television and just slid it right into the opening. Oh wow! No, no changes to the dimensions. Now,
1: uh, Spock station is uh, right here. But the oh, and there's the blue thing right here. So when Leonard Nimoy was looking into the telemetry machine he was getting a blast of a blue light
2: blue light but we we have heard rumors from like walter and a few others that they used to try to break him up by putting pornographic images in there so but what was really in there we really don't know i wasn't you know we weren't there so what is this spinning spiral called because he's sensors that's the main sensors if you remember in uh, balance of terror when they were dark yeah. spock was repairing and he leaned up here and he hit that button and it activates it just the way it did on the show
1: oh, wow. and the and the oh there's the earpiece yeah, yeah and Oh my god, oh my god! He put it in his uh, ear. Uh, <laughs> melt. Oh wow! All right, well you could go bananas here. <laughs> I'm gonna stare at every little guga here, and obviously the, the the captain seat. You said it was a 60 year old. A 60-year-old
2: Madison chair. It's an office chair. You'd find these in like doctors and dentist's office. Yeah. It had four legs on it, sometimes a pedestal base. They pulled that off and then made the custom carriage with the control arms and just sat the office chair in the center of it.
1: Yeah. 60-year-old Madison 60-year-old
2: chair. Madison chair. They are very hard to find and very expensive <laughs> if you do find one. Star Trek fans know what it
0: is.
1: <laughs> awesome. And uh, yeah, and their condition alert. I'm just going to walk around here a little bit. We've got a uh, Keith, you're at the, um, what station oh, okay. are you at? I guess you're at the... up there's even an yeah. ear thing. An earwig. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell me that the hailing frequencies are open? Hailing frequencies are open. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, whoops, I'll get out of the way. People are taking photos. Uh, and here is the, um, right, here's the plaque. Starship Class, San Francisco, California. Uh, this is the turbo lift, and there is the giant view screen, and, uh... All right, that's where I check off would and sit. And, uh, well, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, how interesting is it for you to hear me say, oh, my God, oh, my God. But I'll tell you, the trip up here to Ticonderoga is a lot of fun if you are a Star Trek fan who likes to take pictures of yourself on the bridge. And I've been pretty blown away by this tour so far. Um, and you can just hear everybody giggling. Everybody's taking photos of themselves sort of leaning to the left and leaning to the right. Um... And I love, you know, the railing here is, is is just where it's supposed to be. You know, they really did a great job. Also, the little data chips, the little uh, bright yellow and bright orange and bright, bl- bright blue. Really cool. Really cool. So, Kevin, let me ask you a question. Sure. When, you know, there's the, the expression, you feel like a kid again. When you're on the bridge set... You know, obviously we're here. We're telling jokes. What? What? What are you feeling when you when you see something
3: like that? It's hard for me even to articulate. I mean, to be honest, when I was walking, what I've been doing is kind of while everybody's in one room, I might backtrack and go a room or two back to just kind of be in it where it's a little bit silent. I'm I really not even sure what to say. I mean, it's the the whole in the sense in the box sense of Star Trek being real and the out of the box of Star Trek being a production has colliding in my mind because I'm seeing the flyaway walls and I know, you know, I mean, objectively that uh, this is a, a, a film production, but then with the sound effects being in and the lights working and the buttons working, you know, my brain is just... You
1: kind of want to be here with your friends after after hours and everybody leaves and you kind of play around overnight, right?
3: It'd be, that'd be great, yeah. If we all had Sleeping bags. And could just sleep out, you know, and it'd be perfect. Well, it's uh, got to be weirder for you as someone who who writes, you know,
1: Star Trek novels. I mean, you, you've this is your sandbox that you've played in creatively.
3: Yeah, it's just, there's there's things and gaps that you didn't see in the TV show that you kind of fill in, especially if you need a scene or an angle or whatever for uh, for what you're writing that isn't on the television. And so to walk around in all this is is quite a deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it really hit me in the engineering room. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is where the core is, and you go up the little staircase, and that's, you know, you've never seen Engineering from the point of view up there because they could never get the camera up there in the old days, but you can go up there and see what it looks like. So yeah.
3: it's it's it absolutely just is very. I mean, immersive is the only word. Right, right. Like,
1: Even here on the bridge, I mean, you can sit at Spock station and look at the view screen from Spock's point of view. Never did that on the show.
3: Oh, right. I mean, even just to stand and look in his viewer, which of course is just nothing but a soft blue light glowing up. No,
1: I saw I saw the Beta Quadrant.
3: I don't know what you saw. Oh, wow. I guess maybe maybe it's one of those personality tests. You know, I saw. Uh, I saw a snake chasing a donut. I'm not really sure what it means.
1: All right. Well, and uh, it's everybody's here is having a really, really good time taking pictures of
3: one another and it's, it's stuff. Fun, yeah, it's fun to share with people that I've worked with for a long time. Excellent. All right.
1: Well, thank you, Kevin. Absolutely. Is that the? Um, this is from "For the World Is Hollow" that's and a, right, what what is the, what is it called again? That that is the Oracle of the People. <laughs>
2: <laughs> from "For the World Is Hollow" and I've touched the sky. Right, right. And these are original scoop lights and cameras from they Desilu. Are, they are. The camera itself uh, is from the studio. We don't know if it was actually used on Star Trek or not. We're still. Searching numbers, but it was used on Mission Impossible. Uh, it was used on Car 54, Where Are You? All these other Desilu shows. So mm. one can, can really expect yeah, it. It yeah. more than likely it was on Star Trek. Wow, the image is captured in that By camera. That camera. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying this is an original Klingon outfit yeah. here? It's an original Klingon costume. We've got a few other original pieces that are going to be on display. Um, one of the things that we're really proud of, we just rebuilt Spock's controller from the cage. We found it, oh, wow. uh, and that's an intercom, an office intercom system from the 1940s, and we did the same conversion on it. So this is gonna be a timeline in here of the original series. Like a little museum, yeah. That's right. It's gonna start with Lucy, you know, agreeing to purchase Star Trek nice. and go to the pilots and then all the way through and we're gonna have all the alien weapons and costumes. We've got a full size Baylock that's going in here. I could see his head you so, so. See his head and we have Nomad that <laughs> he's actually nomad is actually interactive. You're gonna be able to push buttons and he lights and insults you. <laughs>
1: And I noticed a Melkosian over there also. There's right? the
2: Melkosian that'll be in here, and all of the props are Are all these original? Original Tribbles here? There are some original. The, the red and white one is from the original episode. Wow. And, and the other ones around him are from Trials and Tribulations. So they're all screen used. Okay, they're all screen used. We're sitting in Mr. Lurie's chair from, from The Trouble with Tribbles. Wow.
1: Oh, man. This is, uh, this is a dream come true. It really is. Uh, congratulations, man. This is really exciting. And I could see now there are, you know, we got here a little early for the special tour. But now, people are coming to take the tour, and so I'm, you know, for, for, I'm trying to convince people to come up to Ticonderoga also to see Lake George. It's very beautiful. Make a weekend out of it. How much does a does a, does a tour through this museum cost the average person who walks
2: in? An adult, it's twenty two dollars. That's nothing. Yeah, they should, it should be double that. <laughs> it's twenty two dollars, and and you know we tell people come. You can you can spend the weekend in Lake George Village. There's Six Flags. There's so much stuff to do. There's four Ticonderoga here, and then there's Star Trek tour. You know they're doing eighty thousand people a summer. Here, so it should wow. be uh, it should be a great season for.
1: Us. All right, you're two hours from Montreal, three and a half from New York City, an hour from Albany, an maybe hour,
2: hour and a half from Albany. All right, so this is a
1: destination, and for Star Trek fans, it's a bucket list destination. Really, I'm on walking on air all day. This has been so much fun, James. Thanks so much for doing this. I'm now going to scope out more of the little individual goo-gaws you've got, and these are all. Some of these are original, I guess, some the ones. Of
2: are, some of them are. Some of them have been custom rebuilt. Um, we had uh, access to some of the Greg Jean original stuff.
1: We're talking about the props here in the display, because what was the most difficult one to rebuild?
2: The Phaser 2, when you see that. I'm going to show you that. I'm going to take it apart and show you. It oh actually breaks down exactly as the original prop did. Wow. The handle, it has all the vintage electronic components, everything. These are museum pieces. These are not.
1: My my. The one that did it for me was, and you got it right up there, is uh, Lieutenant... Leslie Thompson, it's gonna be yeoman Leslie Thompson, <laughs> yeah, yeah. almost dead.
2: Almost dead, yeah, in the in the Styrofoam block form.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a blast! All right, this and there, um, where's the salt shakers?
0: Right over here.
1: Oh yeah, so the story was. Um,
0: Right here.
1: It's yeah.
2: They bought the red and green salt shakers, and then Gene Roderick said, Nobody's going to recognize those as salt shakers, so those are going to become McCoy's surgical instruments. So there they are. <laughs> and then the ones that they, they bought to use for the salt vampire are right there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And
1: there's some of Scotty's whiskey. Absolutely. Uh, and next to a giant itch, uh medallion and.
2: Oh, there's the orig- There's a communicator from the cage. Right, and the laser pistol. Yeah. And uh, I'll take these out and show you. This was created off, off the only surviving hero phaser prop from the original series. It wow. It has every uh, vintage component. It breaks down. You're going to be amazed when you see this.
1: Very cool. Oh, and there's a copy of James Blish's Spock Must Die. We should make sure that all the authors see that, as that is the first Star Trek novel that was not a novelization of one of the shows. That was the first expanded universe. And... Uh, there it is, in, in great condition. I own that. I've read it, and mine was a, a beat-up mess. This one is a beautiful mint, mint condition original. And I've also got that teacup also. All right, this is great. All right, everybody, you got to come to Ticonderoga, New York. Book your tickets now. Get on a bus. Get on a plane. All right, so James Cawley just gave me an away mission. He said, leave the bridge. Now that everybody's on the bridge, go into engineering, which is the last stop before the bridge when you take the tour, and then walk back to the beginning through all the other rooms, uh, this Medical Bay, uh, Kirk's Chambers, and most importantly,
2: the corridor, because as you put it, it'll feel like you're... It feels like you've done it before, because you've seen it so many times on television. You get this eerie sense of deja vu. Yeah. So just go do it,
1: and okay. then you're going to be shocked. Yeah, I'm in engineering, and I'm by myself, and now I'm exiting, and uh, nobody's here with me. Yes, so I am now on the Enterprise... As, if, as I've dreamed it a thousand times. And the corridor's huge, it's a curved corridor so you can't see the ending. And there's Jeffrey Toots, and yeah, James is right. I'm getting chills right now, it's really weird. I feel like I'm having a deja vu sensation. I'm alone on the bridge and there's, there's, there's Kirk's chambers and there's officer's quarters and uh, there's Spock's room, although you don't go in there. And then the lighting changes from purple to red. And Oh, my God. I'm going to start to cry right now. <laughs> there's the briefing room. And I'm going around. And there's Medical Bay. Right? Uh, <laughs> it's Red Alert. Oh, my God. And now I'm walking back uh, through the transfer uh, transporter room. Yeah. You know, I don't know how far you are from Ticonder, Ticonderoga, New York. But this is really... A cool trip so um, and you can also kind of see it backstage I mean what what James said originally is that he didn't want to make this like an amusement park it's a recreation so you do see that the doors move and they're pulled and it is just wood but then when you get into it and immerse yourself it feels like you're you know you are in the show you're in the world all right man I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna zone out